0: Church, how's my second family tonight? Yeah, see a lot of smiles out there. It was a beautiful day today. Got a little rain the other day. Praise God! Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, let's do a few announcements here. So, the LC Classic is coming up this Saturday. If you haven't signed up, or if you know somebody that needs to sign up, make sure you let them know. We got five spots left. So we're going to have the whole course to ourselves, so we don't have anybody to mess with, just us. So it's going to be a fun time. And also, just so you guys know, this is the trophy that they're going to win. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, he may have to zoom in on it so we can see it, but you know. So that right there, and i got to hold it up so you can see it, don't I? All right, so make sure you tell anybody that you know that plays golf they need to come out. Because it's not just about golf, guys. It's about fellowship. Because most of us can't play golf. Most of us just hit the ball. I like driving the golf cart. That's my favorite part. Especially after it's rained. It's a lot of fun at that point. But you can't tear up the course. So you got to be careful. But anyway, so if you know somebody that just wants to come out and fellowship, have a good time. It's sixty-five bucks. Pays for your green fees. Um, we're going to have some Mexican food afterwards here at the church. And uh, we're going to give away some door prizes and stuff, so it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to everybody that's going to be out there. Um, like I said, we only have five spots left, so. All right, and also, Arise, praise God, thank you, Jesus. I love Arise. Okay, October 16th through the 19th, 7 p.m. nightly. Sessions from 10 to noon, Monday through Wednesday. I think Bob is going to be Teaching, just some good teaching you're going to get right there. So if you have uh, the time to get away, just make sure you avail yourself to that. Uh, Worship night. you know. Before I go any further, I want to thank everybody that's watching online. Uh, We're so glad you're with us tonight, and I hope you enjoy the service and and the word that's going to come forth. Um, Worship night, October 22nd. That's a Saturday. It'll be Dave Bell and his team who are from the U.K. It'll be right here in the main sanctuary at 6 p.m., and it's open to everybody. So if you want to get your worship on, that'll be the time to do it. And that is October 22nd. Area 51 is putting on a cornhole tournament October 29th at 10 a.m. Now, I know that like the last time we played cornhole, it was at the guys, the fight club. And everybody had so much fun. I mean, half of those guys couldn't even throw a beanbag, but it was a blast. And, you know, calling them girls and stuff. But And before I say that, this is open to girls. This is open to women, okay? So make sure you understand it's co-ed. We want you to come out and have a good time and be part of the fundraiser. And what better way to eat a bunch of hot dogs? I mean, it's unlimited hot dogs. I know I'm going to put a hurt on them. So make sure you come hungry. Don't eat breakfast so that you guys can come out there and eat some hot dogs. So make sure you avail yourself of that. It's 40 bucks. It's teams of two. Uh, The winner gets $150. That's almost a tank of gas in my truck. All right. Now, you need to register online or Facebook. Uh, Make sure you do that ahead of time so they know how many cornhole uh, setups they need to have. All right. And then this is really cool. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I want to make sure you guys understand this. This is the church app. It's a little uh, white circle or white whatever it is with a house on it. And watch how easy this is. You hit that. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right. So then you've got the give button, and then you've got the check-in button, and then you've got the bulletin. Now, this is really cool because this bulletin has every single thing that's going on. Train TV, intercessory prayer. If you want to know what the missions meals are going to be, they're right there. It tells you what day we're having and what we're having. Arise schedule, the whole schedule, All what the food is. They're eating food, too. Sweet. Young at Heart, LC Men's Classic, The Arise. I mean, just everything's on there. So make sure you put that on your phone. It's super easy to put on there. And I am anti-app, but that is the coolest app in the world. As a matter of fact, I did not tithe Sunday so that I could do this. Watch this. I put in my deal. I hit next. I hit give. Come okay, And it says thank you. I mean, it's that easy. I mean, that's what it's all about right there. So easy. We are in life of easy. So make sure you guys get the app on your phones. Who, who has the app on their phone? All right. That's what I'm talking about. Well, those of you that don't, get rid of that flip phone and get you a smartphone and put the app on there. I know I just got mine the other day. My flip phone finally broke. So all right. Anyway. All right. So now it's time to give. So let's worship the Lord with our giving. What do you think? Uh, Seriously, let's worship the Lord with our giving. Yeah, there you go. Where's Wade when we need him? Man, he'll light this place up. All right, so we have different ways we can give. I just showed you the app, how easy that is, so we can do that. And then there's also text to give right there 84321, um, which I've done that. That is super easy too. There's also envelopes on the backs of the seats. If you're watching online, you can just go to the giving tab there where you're watching. And you can give. It takes about two seconds. Not a big deal. All right. So I was praying about the offering tonight. And I usually don't say much. But when I was praying, I was was talking to the Lord. And you know, you hear all the time, you know, the Lord doesn't need our money. Right? You hear that. And I was praying, and I was like, because now I have a funny relationship with the Lord. I'm sure you guys don't talk to him like this. But I was kind of like, really, Lord? You don't need me to give my money? And he says, well, no, I'm giving you the opportunity to give your money. And that was the key word from the Holy Spirit was opportunity. And I thought, okay, Lord, but I still have to reach in my pocket and give to the church. Otherwise, we don't pay the electric and we don't pay the the stuff that's due. And he goes, well, you know, in Matthew 17, when the taxes were due, he said, Peter, go cast your line in the, the water. And the first fish you pull out will have the money you need in the mouth and pay for me and yours. And he was like, I really don't need you. If I need it, I can get it to Pastor Greg. I can tell him what go rock to go pull under and pull up whatever he needs. If he needs $10,000, I'll tell him where to go get it. But we have the opportunity to be a part of that. How awful would that be if Pastor Greg is the only one that got blessed from that? You know, I want to be a part of that. I know that we're a part of the world system, but I want to be a part of God's system. So anyway, I'm not preaching to you. I'm just uh, what the Lord gave me tonight. It was really cool because it was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. No, you don't need me. But thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So when he says, we're, you know, like when Wade says, you know, we're, we're, we're worshiping with our praise and our giving, you know, that really is. I mean, that's what we're doing. I mean, because he's only asking for 10%. And if you give me your 10%, I'll give you more than the 90 that you had to begin with. Because I know there's times in our lives that, that we've given, and the 90% shouldn't have paid what we had to pay. We were just talking about this the other day, that we're kind of in a season right now. And I'm like, I don't know how we pay our bills. Because, I mean, it doesn't make sense. But God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And He delivers when He says, test me. Test me and see how good I am. So anyway, all right, so if you have your offering, let's pray. Father, I just give you glory and honor and praise because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my Father in heaven, and I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give us. That, Father God, this is a good ground to sow in, and you just give us a good opportunity to be able to sow into that ground, and you give us the opportunity to be a part of your monetary system. That, Father God, you have the retirement system that we need, Lord. You are the one that answers all of our needs. You're the one that supplies all of our needs. You are my Alpha and Omega. You are my beginning and my end. And I give you praise and honor. And I just pray <clears> that <throat> you bless this offering tonight. And all those that are given online, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. So let's hear it for Pastor Greg. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Titus, which was our key scripture um, for this series. Of course, I was had to be away a couple of weeks. Had my thirty seventh wedding anniversary, and then and then had a little virus that I had to deal with last week. But uh, praise God, Jesus is the healer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Titus chapter two. And starting with verse number 11, it says, For the grace of God God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, And he begins to tell us what that blessed hope is. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Amen? That's good news. Amen? And notice that that uh, one of the main aspects that is going on in our nation and in the church as well is that there just seems to be an incredible level of compromise when it comes to living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How many realize that we have all kinds of situations in which that is certainly not true and not going on, not just in the world, but also in the church. Can you say amen? You can say amen or oh me, amen. And part of the reason is, is that we're no longer waiting. We're not waiting for the blessed hope. And we've got to have that expectancy and the fact that uh, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ at a time that we do not know when, should spur us to live lives that are on purpose, instead of reactionary, instead of living by feelings and situational ethics for the you know for the uh, time and date that we live in. We're to live free, self-controlled, godly lives. Amen. And I'll tell you what, if you'll make yourself aware of the imminent return of Jesus, it will cause you to walk in a more holy lifestyle. Because we don't know when he's going to come and take us back to the Father's house. But I can tell you this, he's coming. And today is even, it's even later than it was yesterday. And tomorrow. We can look forward in each day, and if we live our lives realizing that Christ could return at any moment, which is being lost in the church today, because we all have all kinds of theories to where we can begin to kind of surmise when the Lord will return for his church, we have shared with you in this series that there is absolutely no way that you can determine uh, Jesus coming for his church by anything that is in the Jewish calendar or anything of that nature because the the church is an entity solely for Jesus. It's his bride. The church is Jesus' bride. And guess what? I can, you know, once that treaty is ratified, I know that 42 months, we're gonna have the abomination of desolation. And then I know 42 months, we're gonna see Jesus split the sky at Armageddon. I can know that. But I'm not going to know the day or the hour in which the father will release the son to come and get his bride. We're going to talk about that tonight. Very important. So uh, what I want to talk about is the, um, as I end this time, and we've talked a lot about a lot of things, so I encourage you to go back over what we did talk about. But I, what I want to do in this this moment that we have here today is, is to share with you uh, the Galilean wedding template the Galilean wedding template, because there is a template. Um, Everything that God does has an example and a template within the scripture. And uh, so I want us to turn to the gospel of John, the gospel of John. We have established that uh, the rapture of the church is pre-tribulation. It is Uh, pre-wrath. It is before the wrath of God and uh, we've established that through the scriptures. You can debate me all you want to, write me nasty letters and nasty emails, I don't care. I know what I know and I can back it by the scriptures. So I'm not interested in so-and-so says or what your little goofball dreams you had when you ate that pizza late at night, I don't care. I'm gonna go by what the Bible says. And the Bible clearly teaches that the church has not been reserved for the wrath of God. The church will always experience the wrath of man, always, always. The wrath of man is getting more intense, and it's going to get more intense. But we are not subject to the wrath of God. We are one with Jesus who took the wrath of God for us. Amen. Now, the wrath of man is a whole different story. We're not exempt from persecution. In fact, the Bible says all that live godly, they will suffer persecution. And you're going to suffer persecution. I'm going to suffer persecution. Thank God we live in a wonderful nation that we don't see it as much as my brothers and sisters overseas. But guess what? It's ramping up and you better be ready for it. Amen. You better be ready for it. But I'm here to tell you when the wrath of God comes on the earth, Christ's body is not going to be there to receive it because Christ's body already received it at Calvary. Oh, come on. That's good news. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's good news. Jesus subjected himself to the wrath of God on our behalf. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. I'll tell you what, that's good news. We could just dance around all night. And we showed you scripture after scripture after scripture that shows this, okay? Now, I'm gonna try to do this as quickly as I possibly can, get you out of here, eight o'clock, like I used to do back in 2015. (laughs) So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of long messages, but um, anyway, John chapter two, In verse number one, it says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Um, So this here, as we realize, as we read through the Scripture, we see this is the first miracle that Jesus uh, projected forth who he was and what he was about, and he did it at a wedding. And I believe that was... On purpose. It wasn't just something that was just um, done, you know, hey, well, might as well, you know. This is done on purpose. And notice there's not one word in your Bible that's not supposed to be there. In the original language. I'm not going to say in translations. I'm saying in the original language. If the word's there and it's in the original language, in the original text, it's supposed to be there. Okay? Okay. So here we see Jesus, and he's at a wedding. Probably one of his relatives, distant relative, Mary's there as well. And it's in Cana of Galilee. Now it specifically tells you that it's at Cana of Galilee, and it does so for a reason. It's not just saying that, but to, you know, it could have just said Jesus was at a wedding. Tell you not tell you where it's at. But it clearly tells you where it's at, Cana of Galilee. You have to understand that over a third of Jesus' ministry was done in the region of Galilee. He was born in Galilee. I mean, he was born, you see, in in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Galilee in, in Nazareth, which was in the southern part of the region of Galilee. And majority of his early miracles were all around the seaports of the Sea of Galilee in the region of Galilee. And so you you see it over and over, Capernaum and places of this nature. It's all about Galilee. So Jesus was raised a Galilean. And Galileans were different than other parts of Israel. And they had different customs than other parts of Israel. So Jesus was raised culturally as a Galilean. So he uh, adopted and accustomed himself to the customs and the traditions of Galilean society. And so you can't separate the, the, the cultural context of the Scripture from the Scripture. You can't separate the two. You've got to understand that there is a cultural uh, you know, um, uh, setting, that sets up the scriptures that you read. And you've got to get a hold of those things. Otherwise, you're going to misinterpret what he's trying to say. And there's many things that Jesus has said that, you know, they're steeped in the customs of the day. And sometimes I read the Bible and it's almost as if they've got an inside track that I don't have. How many know what I'm talking about? They've got inside, they know the background a little bit better than I do. So, I'm not fully enjoying what's being said there because I don't understand the cultural context of it. Jesus was raised a Galilean boy, he understood Galilean society. And he chooses to do his first miracle, or the father chooses to manifest himself through Jesus' ministry at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Very important. At a wedding. The whole Bible is about a courtship. The, from Genesis to maps, it's about a courtship. It's about, uh, a, it's a love story. It's about uh, a father and his wife and a son and his bride. And at the end of the book in Revelation, you will see the father restored back to his wife and you will see Jesus marrying and, and culminating in marriage with the church. And that is going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. And so it's a love story. And so he chooses to manifest his glory at this wedding by changing water to wine, which is symbolic of his work in the lives of all uh, of our lives. You know, he takes our water. And he changes us, he changes it into wine. He, 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 it's, it's a type of the new birth. It's, you could take all kinds of typology from this story uh, over and over. But he chooses a wedding. Now, Galilean weddings were different than other weddings in the region. Okay? And uh, I'm going to go through this real quickly. But there are phrases that Jesus uses that are purely come from the Galilean wedding tradition. Okay? And I'm gonna share with them as we go through the process of a Galilean courtship. Okay? So unlike today where we go to uh, Christian Mingle and uh, things of that nature, and we hunt people down and run them down and hound their their media pages, and things of that nature. Um, There was a certain protocol that happened when a young man took an interest in a young lady, okay? So it involved their family. Nowadays, it don't involve your family at all. Dad, we're gonna get married. I didn't even know you was dating. You know, I mean, (laughs) who's this? You know, so we don't live in a culture like that at all. We we, we live in a culture where, you know, I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that was not the Galilean culture. Galilean culture is when you made a decision as a young man, as a young lady, your family was with you and your family was there to protect you. And you may have not liked what they had to say about certain situations, but there was such a respect and an honor that is missing in our culture and society today that, uh, you know, a lot of people go into relationships and they end up getting divorced and they going through hardship in their life because they didn't go and get wise counsel, they didn't have the safeguards in place, and they didn't have they weren't prepared. See, in order to marry in Galilee, you had to be prepared, prepared young man. You had to be able to take care of a wife, and your family made sure that you were able to do it. And if your family wouldn't make sure, her family would certainly make sure. Well, today it's like, oh, whatever, go out and do whatever you wanted to. Come on now. We, we don't understand this. And what you have to understand is that marriage is the building block of everything that God does. And the reason why marriage is, uh, you know, been under attack And now we've got all kinds of different arrangements out there. It's meant to take away the revelation that marriage is. Marriage teaches us covenant relationship. It teaches us intimacy. It teaches us walking in partnership with somebody. It teaches us about our relationship to God, our relationship to others, It teaches all kinds of things. In fact, the fifth chapter of Ephesians begins to list all the wonderful things about relationships. Husbands, love your wives. Why submit to your husbands as unto the Lord? It it begins to list those things. But then at the end of it, he says something like, he says, I'm not talking in regards to marriage. I'm talking in regards to Christ and the church. So that means and tells me that marriage is singly most important to our spiritual life. If we don't have a concept of what true marriage is, if we don't see it epitomized, if we don't see it uh, modeled before us, then it's going to have great hindrance in our relationship walk with the Lord. Because it's a building block. And no wonder Satan doesn't want people getting married. Doesn't want them getting married. Wants them getting married wrong. Wants them getting married to the same sex and things of that nature. He wants to convolute and and cause it to be totally marred and totally, because it's the building block. You corrupt the building block. The building's coming down. But marriage also teaches our our redemptive work. The redemptive work of Christ is typified and his coming for the church is typified by a Galilean marriage. Because he uses phrases that are used in a Galilean marriage ceremony. When he talks about coming for his church. Okay, so let's go through that, all right? Is this all, all right? You with me? Okay, the next 30 minutes, we're going to have a good time. Okay, so when a Galilean young man sees a beautiful lady that he wants to be with, and they begin some kind of, you know, relationship, and he decides that he's going to propose marriage to her, or he's going to ask for her to be betrothed to him, he gets with his dad first. Now, you've got to take it that this is a picture of Jesus and the father. This was his dad first. He says, you know what? I want to marry that, that girl. So what the father does in Galilean custom is he writes out a covenant on a scroll. He writes out a covenant and this covenant, he rolls it out and it has everything that we're going to do for this this girl. We're going to take care of her. We're going to protect her. She's going to have this. She's going to have that. She's going to be guaranteed this. She's going to be guaranteed that. And they they sit there and, and the father and the son agree to the terms that is on that scroll. So they make an appointment because they weren't interested in guests to their wedding. And no real true marriages is about guests. You want witnesses. You don't want guests. Guests just come and eat the fish and the steak. You want witnesses. And so what they would do is they would go to the, uh, the gates of the city what whatever Galilean city they were in, they would go to the gates where the elders are, and they they would become one family would bring the daughter and the other family would bring the groom, and uh, they would meet out in the open where all could see, and the father, I said the father, yeah. rolls that scroll out and he reads it out loud, yeah. wow. and he says. This is what we're going to do for your daughter. We're going to take care of her. We're going to protect her. We've got a whole plot of land that's going to be hers totally. We've got this many flocks. We've got this much in the bank. We've got this much. And he begins to lay it all out. And if she agrees to be with my son, this is all hers. And you know, that's what the father did. The father came and laid out a scroll and he said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for Wade right here. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to redeem him. I'm going to clean him up. I'm going to, come on. He just, through the gospel, the gospel is that written document. Then they'd exchange some gifts. They'd give some gifts. Mostly the most lavish would go to, to the bride, would go to the bride. But here's the thing you got to understand. It's after they get through reading, after they exchange a few gifts. And they're doing this in front of strangers. They're not doing this in front of Aunt Rose. They're doing this out in the wide open. God did it out in the wide open when Jesus hung on the cross. He did it out in the wide open for everybody to see. Pagans and Jews both saw His love letter, the fact that he was showing his love. I I tell you what, this just shows you the heart of God. The young man takes a glass and he takes some wine and he pours the glass, pours him a glass of wine and then he ceremoniously partakes of that wine and then he hands it to the bride-to-be. Now, this is the, where the Galilean wedding, wedding um, ceremony is different than all the other regions. This ceremony, the bride chooses either to drink out of it or to not drink out of it. So it basically says she's got a choice. Now, in other, other cultures, other customs, they didn't have a choice many times. But in this custom, they had a choice. Now she was given a cup that he had drank out of because it's symbolic of communion. What is in me is in you and vice versa. And so he extends that cup to her just as Jesus extends the cup to us and to everybody who is lost and everybody who he is reading his gospel message to. He extends that cup and we have a choice She had a choice whether to partake of that cup or to say, no, I don't want anything to do with this. And she would reject the cup. But it's amazing that in a Middle Eastern society that a young lady had that choice because that was exclusive to that culture. The reason why is because Jesus comes to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. He wants to get that picture in your mind that this is exactly what it is. Because when people read that in the time and era that he lived in, and the region that he walked in, guess what? They understood exactly what he was saying. But here we are in 2022, Manford, Oklahoma, and we don't have any idea of what he's trying to do here. He's showing that the cup is handed, but it's the choice of the bride to drink from it. Well, she chooses to drink from it. Okay. She chooses to drink from it and he takes the cup. And you know what he says? See, if you remember that Jesus even saying something like this, he said, I will not drink of this cup. until I drink it with you in my father's house. Amen. Amen. How many remember Jesus saying that? Yeah. Did you know that when he was doing that at the last supper, the disciples knew exactly what he was doing. They said, this is a wedding, this is a marriage. They knew exactly what it was. That's the reason why they get laid down their lives. They are officially married at that time. They're one, but they don't go home together. The young man goes off and says something that Jesus said in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and give praise to God. Amen. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to myself. And notice he says that where I am, you are. Not where you are, I'll be. He says where I am, you will be. You got to understand that he's taken, he's not, you know, praise God, the Holy Spirit's right where we're at, but Jesus is taken to where he's at. Amen. Amen. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. Well, that's what the young man would do. He would go home and he would, he would save his money. See, they would save their money as young people. You know, they would save Literally, you know, just lots of money. I don't know, you know, thousands and upon thousands of dollars because the young man now had the responsibility of buying everything that was needed for the wedding and for their place to live. And so he spent approximately close to a year adding on to his father's house getting it ready and prepared, buying all the cups and bowls and all the things that are necessary, buying up all the things they would need for seven days of feasting when they got married. Think about that. Most of us cringe at one day, you know, one, one day marriage and if there's gonna be enough pigs in a blanket to feed everybody. <laughs> and you gotta feed a whole group of people for seven days. And he had to save for that. In fact, the reason why uh, there's such a panic about not having any wine because it was a disgrace for the young man to run out. It was an absolute disgrace for the young man to run out. It it was a bad sign. So that's the reason why Mary said, Jesus, you got to help him out. And Jesus says, what do I have to do with this? And she just ignores him. He says, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Amen? So his whole time is building, preparing, getting things together, getting everything just right. Okay? Now the bride, when she goes off, she goes off to get ready for her wedding as well. And majority of what she does is preparation for his return. Now sometimes they would, you know congregate and meet together. other times they would stay separated. It just depended on the family. It depended on the makeup of the family and what kind of agreement they had. But they're not together. He's over here listen, he's over here getting everything ready, because in his eyes, he's already married. She's already married as well. She's just getting her wedding gown made and she shouldn't, couldn't go down to Kohl's and Ross and all these other places. And she didn't have Amazon. So she had to find these things as they would come in through traders and in and, and, and certain areas. And she would make and build her wedding gown. And she would spend her entire time doing it and her bridesmaids with her would build their wedding gowns in preparation for the coming of the bridegroom. So she lived in a constant state of expectation. She lived in a constant state of anticipation. She knew That by the time that she got her wedding gown completed, that it was getting close. So she'd sleep in it. Okay? She'd sleep in it. Now, what does that say about us? Well, if you look at the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, you will find out That in the marriage supper of the Lamb, the, uh, the bride is adorned in new wedding garments. And the Bible says, look it up for yourself, I don't have time to get into it, but it says that the adorning of these new vestments, of this new gown, are the deeds done in the body. So what should we be doing while we're waiting on our beloved to come? We should be doing good works because we are betrothed to the true and living God. We don't live unto ourselves. We live unto him who died and rose again. And I'm not doing works to try to get him to come get me. I'm doing works because he's already got me. And I'm looking forward to the day that we're going to be together. Jesus said, be ye holy, even as I am holy. Because when they left those gates that day, they were separated to one another. They were separated from one another, but they were separated to one another. And even though Christ may be in heaven today and we may be upon the earth, we are still separated unto him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we don't live the way we want to live. I'm not going to commit adultery on him. Isn't it amazing if you weren't married... Why would, why would God call it adultery when you are, are an idolater? Why would he call it a, a, that it was adultery when you, when you go after other things other than him, when you don't seek first the kingdom of God because you're betrothed to him? Do you understand what I'm saying? You're his. See, a married woman operates differently than a single woman. I know that's hard to believe in our culture and society today, but, but you know, a married woman conducts herself differently. There's a difference between a Mrs. and a Miss. Amen. And even though she's not living in the same house with him at this time, she's still living under her father's care. She is betrothed to him. She is his she is living a life of separation. Other boys may come and go. They may try to come in and try to subvert the covenant that she has with this young man. But because she is holy, um, come on. oh, come on now, yeah, come on. Come on. she, all takers, all, all, uh, all bets are off. Right. No. I'm betrothed. Well, he hadn't been around in a while. I hadn't seen him around there. It doesn't matter. Right. And you know what? We have an entire world that's saying, when's he going to come back? He's been saying this for years. I heard that my grandpappy said that, that he was going to come, and he didn't come. And my grandma said that, and he didn't come. And I, my uncle said he was going to come in his lifetime, and he died. Right. When's he going to come back? I'll tell you, that's what the enemy does to us. Oh, he ain't coming back. You don't need to worry about that, you know. And he does it for two reasons. He does it to keep you with living a holy life. But he also gets you to where you don't have the wedding gown made. You're not ready. You're not prepared. You ain't got enough oil in your lamp. He don't want. It. He don't. He don't want you making it. Did you know you can believe and not be born again? I can believe the message of Jesus in my head. I can believe it, but not in my heart. I, I, I receive it in my heart. You have to be born again. That's the true lamp. That's the true oil. Is to be born again. There were five virgins that had the true born-again experience. There were five that believed in what it is, but they weren't ready. They didn't have a relationship with the Lord. You've got to be born again. You can't just mentally assent. And there's a lot of people sitting in the pews today that are mentally assenting to the gospel message, but they have not embraced it in truth. And the enemy wants to keep you in that bondage, in that deception, so that you're not ready. And if you're a Christian here today, and you know what, you, you just say, man, my gown's probably gonna be, gonna be worse than anything I could buy at Cato." No offense, no offense. Sorry, Leela, I apologize. I should have said something else. Ross. Ross is the DMV of clothing stores. Okay. If you ever shop with your wife, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. So you may not have it all together. You may not be even doing anything to make yourself adorn yourself. You may not be ready, but she would sleep in that wedding gown. Because she knew. Right. Now Jesus said this. He said, he said uh, in, in uh, the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, he said this. He said, but the day and the hour no man knows. Not even the son, he says. But only the father. Why did he say that? He said that because that's Galilean wedding tradition. The son could have everything together, built on, everything in place, all the party supplies ready to go, everything could be in place. But he couldn't go get his bride until his father said he could. And so generally about this time when things are preparing, the stuff is already done and they're all, they used to sleep on the floor in the same room with the father and the bridegrooms and the the groom and the same with the bride. They were at the end of their accomplishing their preparatory things. And it was a time and it was that period when it could happen at any time. They stayed in a state of preparedness and anticipation. I'm here to tell you, my friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, is excited about coming and getting you. He is in anticipation of that day. It excites him. And he is anticipating at any time for the father to look at him and say, son, go get your bride. Hallelujah. Now, here's another thing that Jesus said. He said that he would come as a thief in the night. Okay. The reason why he said that was because when the father would wake the son up, it was generally in the early hours of the morning. It would be anywhere from 12 to two in the morning. He would wake his son up and he would say, son, go get your bride. And boy, the son would shoot up. He'd get him a big old shofar horn. And his bridegrooms would follow him as well as his father and family members and those that had been invited to their feast, to their to their nuptials, and he will blow that horn. Here's something about a horn, you know, in First Thessalonians chapter four. Amen. A horn. And he blows that horn. And it's not only to alarm the people that are sleeping in the sleepy village, but it's also to make the bride aware he's coming. I need to get up. I need to straighten myself out. Come on now. He blows that ram's horn all through the streets and they would serpentine through the streets and they would do, and people would come out of their houses and they would make a parade And the bride would come out of her house with her bridesmaids on either side. She's beautiful standing there before him. He sees her for the first time. They're united together after being away so long. She's beautified in her beautiful dress that she made. He's got everything prepared for her. They're getting ready to party for seven days. This is a great momentous occasion. But here's something you got to understand is that they would take this thing called a litter, you know, not like cats, but a litter. (laughs) And basically it was a little chair that had two long poles that two servants carried. And what would happen is, is that He didn't want the bride walking to the father's house. Oh, you're not getting a hold of this. He puts her on that litter and carries her where her feet don't touch the ground. And it's actually called the flight of the bride. They would carry her and whisk her away, not by her own power, not by her own will, not by her own might, but by the grace of Almighty God. He carries us into the Father's presence. We didn't get there because we're just beautiful and we're just so lovely. We got there because of the grace of God. And he moves her in to the Father's house and she goes off of that litter And they go into the house, and guess what happens next? It's something we talked about early on in this series. They would shut the doors to the house, and no one was allowed in there for seven days. If you were late, if you weren't ready, you weren't getting in. It was the tradition of the Galileans. This happened with Noah. If you remember the biblical account of Noah. Noah and his family went into the ark after everything was prepared and ready to go. And God shut the door. And he shut it for seven days until it started raining. Seven days. So if that is not a type of, of the pre-tribulation rapture, then I don't know what is. Amen. When Jesus said these words, I'm not going to drink of this until we're in our, fa- in our Father's house. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Amen. When he said these things and when he operated these things, no man knows the day or the hour but the Father. He's using this imagery. And that's the reason why that uh, the disciples, they never wondered about the end times. They knew about the end times. They just wanted to know when it was going to happen. They didn't care how. They just wanted to know when. But we've been so busy as a church trying to figure out when that we forgot why. Why is there a rapture of the church? Why is there a rapture? Because he's coming back for his bride. And that bride is you. And if you don't have a Jesus that returns for his people, you do not have the biblical Jesus Amen? Hallelujah. He says, I'll come and I'll take you unto myself. I will lambano, I will pull you up and pull you to myself. Praise the Lord. And I will take you that where I am, you may be also, amen? I'm telling you what, that is clear as a bell. Is that pretty clear to you? And it says once that judgment comes on, great delusion will come upon the people. The appearance of the Antichrist will rise. Even though the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, it will begin to get more and more and where people will be deceived by the false signs and lying wonders of the wicked one. But it can only happen when the bride and the bridegroom are out of the picture. Amen? Amen. So don't be fretting about these days. Don't be fretting about what you're seeing. Don't be afraid. Look at it and laugh and know that your redemption draws nigh. Because Jesus said this. He said... He said, don't be upset about these things. He said, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. You're going to hear about all that stuff. He said, but the end's not yet. He said, but well, when you see these things, look up. Don't look down and around. Don't look at your timeline. Don't be trying to give in your political diatribe on Twitter. Look up, for your redemption draws near. Jesus is going to save the church. Amen. Amen. And he is going to save you and I out of the wrath of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, I'm excited about that. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? Thank him for such a great salvation. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's going to lift us up and out. He's going to carry us to the Father's house. He's going to blow that trumpet. Even now, even even as we are here today, at tonight, the Father may be looking over at the Son and saying, Son, go get them. Go get your bride. You remember the first time we did this message and I told you about the, uh, the time that Jesse Duplantis saw him coming out of the presence of God and he, he was preaching to the massive uh, congregation in heaven. He says, I'm going to go get them. Jesus is excited about it. Yeah. But guess what? The church isn't that excited about it as they should be. Amen. We're not as excited about it. I tell you what, if you wake up with that expectation, that anticipation that the Lord at any time could split the sky and take you home and that you could be transformed, praise God, transformed, changed, and translated out of this world and never have any problem with your body ever again. Amen. Come on, have a glorified body, six pack abs. <laughs> Think about it. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What, what comfort we should get from that, amen? What comfort we should get from those words. We're supposed to comfort one another with these words. You know, when it gets hard on Joel, you know, and Joel's all down, you know what? I can say this. You know what? Jesus is going to come for us. He's going to split that sky. That trump of God is going to blow. And I'm telling you, we're going to get out of here. But see, we're so, we like, we like this little kitty box we live in. We like it too much. We like it. We like it too much. No, 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 no. I'm I, the older I get, the less and less I like it down here. Come on, come on. And that's just because I'm getting old and cratchety and blah, them darn teenagers. On, Hello, that's not because of that at all. It's because when you see how false and come on. Oh, yeah. come on. how putrid this world is, you need you know, there was a time and in fact I wrestle with this and maybe some of you wrestle with it as well. But even pastoring this church, I would say, you know what, Lord, don't come today. Because there were things I wanted to accomplish. There were things I wanted to do. There were things I wanted to achieve. And I remember I would say that. I'd say, Lord, don't, don't come there. You know, I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, I'm telling you, that is the wrong attitude. whether you're 20 here today or whether you're 85, you need to be expecting the Lord to return and be blessed that he would at the time he comes. Amen? Amen. Come on now. We got this, hold off, Lord. I got some goals and dreams. There is nothing on this world that compares to what God has for you on the other side. I don't care. It was about the church for me. You know, I'd hide it. Well, I just want to grow the church and I want to achieve these things. No, I was just thinking about my own self. I was thinking about what I wanted. Hello. I'm telling you it's the wrong attitude to take. And I stopped studying this stuff altogether. I was an eschatology nut. And when I started at the church, I kind of got away from it because that was the trend. Everybody was getting away from teaching the weird stuff. It's the truth. Let's just teach about how to have a good life and how to do this and stuff. And you know what? I had to be woke up. Yeah. Yeah. Come, on. Come on now. Yeah. I had to be woke up in the right way, not the woke that we we're talking about. <laughs> But I'm talking about being awake. You know, there's a difference between being woke and being awake. Woke is absolute foolishness. Being awake, though, is what we're called to do. That's the reason why we call our conference Arise. Arise and shine, for a light has come. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. We've got Sunday night. We've got our good friend Woody Robinson is going to be preaching Sunday night. Amen, there's a little ring. That may have been the, yeah. the, the glory sound. Somebody put a trumpet on your phone, you know. It, be ready. Then Monday night, we've got a wonderful, wonderful man by the name of David Thompson. He's going to be uh, ministering on Monday night. And you're just going to absolutely fall in love with him and his wife, Shonda. And uh, they, they're tremendous ministers of the word then Tuesday night, it'll be yours truly. So, but then Wednesday, we're going to have Kevin Powers. Prophet Kevin Powers will be with us. And it's just going to be a wonderful time. We're going to end off with a bang, amen. So I encourage you, make time to be with us. And during the day, we've got Pastor Bob Yandian. And Bob, you know, what can I say about Bob Yandian? So... Uh, We're gonna be having his services in the Student Ministries building, 10 a.m. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Everyone's invited. Anybody that wants to come can come. It's gonna be a great time. And then we're just gonna have a wonderful time here. Bob and the missions team, as well as the youth, have wonderful planned meals for us. Uh, We're actually gonna have Taco Tuesday this year. (laughs) So instead of Taco Monday or Taco Wednesday, (laughs) we going to have Taco Tuesday, and we're going to have some good stuff. So I want to encourage you. I believe that this year is a pivotal year for us that God wants to impart something very specific to take us into this new season. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? God is good. And if you want to play golf, sign up. Only five places left for five teams, right? Five teams. That means... Get someone, you know, get someone off the street. Come on, buy them some golf clubs, and we'll have a good time. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. And it is 8 <laughs> 03.